Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. I want to welcome you to our services. If you're visiting with us, we certainly want to welcome you and invite you back at, uh, to be with us again. Just a reminder, if you haven't already, pick up a uh, Rome journal out in the, uh, the foyer and... Um, on the back is all of our upcoming activities, as well as all those that are on our prayer list. There's so many right now that are struggling with various health issues and uh, are listed on, a, on the, the journal, as well as our shut-ins. And just ask that you keep this with you this week as you go to prayer, and, and remember those in your prayers. Yesterday, we had a, a good group that showed up to help with the, uh, the food drive and to organize and up update our uh, food pantry, and I want to say thank you to, to Brian and Tanya Ward, whoever sees, sees that. It's, it's a lot of work to keep that updated, and, and, um, and they do a really good job with that, and I want to thank those that showed up to, uh, to help with that also. We are, uh, the church is in the process of updating our website. It's been a while since it's been updated, and uh, we wanted to, to see if there's anybody within the congregation that has the skill set that can help us with that or the interest in, in, to help us with that. We have some uh, outside um, opportunities um, we've, uh, that we can certainly explore, but before doing that, we wanted to, to see if there's anybody within the congregation that, that can help us with, with that. And if so, if you could just let one of the elders know within the next week or so, we want to really um, get that updated and, and uh, <laughs> see somebody being volunteered right now. But uh, again, just let us know. We'd appreciate that. Reminder that next Sunday, uh, our intern, youth intern, Sam Moore, will be here. Sam is a student at Faulkner University in Alabama and is going to be working with us this summer, be working alongside David and Chris. Uh, so we look forward to having him here this summer and look forward to, to seeing him next, next Sunday, so a week from today. This morning, uh, Jeff Floyd will have our reading and prayer. Jerry Stevens will be presiding over the table, and Kevin Harvey will have our closing prayer. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Lord, thanking you, Father, for this first day of the week. We thank you for the beautiful weather that you've given us, Father. We thank you for the opportunity to be here to worship you, Lord. We thank you for your love, for your grace, and your mercy, and for your son, Jesus, Father. We're so thankful for the hope that we have through him, and thankful, Father, for your church here at Rome, for each member, Father. We just thank you for that we can come together to worship and praise you, and Father, we just ask your blessings upon our time here this morning that you'll be with us, be with our worship, that it'll be pleasing to you, Father, that, um, that we'll put our focus upon you, Lord, that we'll do away with all distractions and, and worship you as, as you deserve to be worshiped, Father. Father, we know there's so many of our number that are struggling with various uh, difficulties, health issues, and uh, we just want to remember each one of them, Father, especially remember uh, Jim and Margaret Wilgus at this time, Father, the difficulties they're going through, and, and so many others uh, with our shut-ins, and, and we're just uh, thankful, Father, that we can approach you in prayer, knowing that you hear our prayers, and and we uh, thank you for all that you do for us, Father, and just, again, ask that you be with us um, with our time here, 
And forgive us when we do fall short and sin against you. As through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Please stand for our first song. First hymn this morning, number 547, Rejoice, the Lord is King. <clears throat> Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King, my Lord. Rejoice, Next time this morning, number 741, What Shall It Profit? 741. And after this hymn, Brother Jeff Floyd will have our scripture reading and prayer.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we come to you, and Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we come and to hear your word. We pray, Lord, that we can take the lesson this morning and use it in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to be with this congregation and all those that are part of it. We pray, Lord, you'll continue to be with so many who are sick, are dealing with, whether it be sickness or other issues they have going in their life, we pray, that, Lord, that you'll be with them. We pray, Lord, that you continue to be with those who've lost loved ones, continue to comfort them and hold them through this difficult period. Lord, we just we pray for this country. We pray, Lord, you'll continue to be with those who make decisions, and, Lord, we can, we can do what's right. Lord, we just pray for uh, this time of the year. We pray for the youth and those who are graduating, those who are uh, stepping to a different um, avenue of life. And we pray that you'll be with those who are traveling uh, because of graduations and coming home from a college or wherever it might be. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with upcoming vacation Bible schools and uh, vacation Bible school and other things that are coming up here in the near future. Lord, be with us. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. amen. Scripturing this morning is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Next hymn this morning, number 859, He Paid a Debt. <clears throat> 859. He paid a debt, he did not owe, I owed a debt, I could not pay, but he did someone to wash my sin away. And now I see a brand new song, amazing grace, Christ Jesus paid a debt, now To help us prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, I'd like to read from Mark 14, 22 through 25, if you'd like to follow along. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. 
Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful that your son came and died for us and that we have an opportunity to gain heaven, that we can partake of this bread which represents your son's body as he died on the cross for us. Bless us, Father, as we do so. Forgive us, in thy son's name we pray, and amen. Now as we partake of the cup, let's bow. Father, we come unto you again, thanking you for the many blessings that you've given us, and especially that of your son who came and died for us. Bless us, Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents thy son's blood as he died on the cross. Bless us, forgive us, in thy son's name we pray, and amen. Aside from the Lord's Supper, we take this opportunity to give back a portion that we've earned. We have two canisters in the rear of the building. If you would drop those, your donation, gift, giving, off as you leave the building, we would appreciate it so that we can carry on the work of the congregation here. Also, keep those in mind that are going to Scotland next week, keep them in your prayers too. Would you bow with me? Father, we are thankful for the many blessings of this life that you've given us, for the jobs that we've been able to secure and maintain, and for the funds that we're able to help us live comfortable. We pray, Father, that we give back a portion that's pleasing unto you, We ask that you bless us in this effort, be with the congregation here, and be with the the elders and the deacons as, as we try to lead the congregation in a way that's pleasing unto you. We pray that the funds we receive, we will use them in a way that's pleasing unto you. Be with those, Father, that are going to be traveling on a mission trip soon. Bless them. Pray that they have safe passage to and from. Bless us, Father. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. That's all. Please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 684. This world is not my home. 684. This world is not my home, I must have passed through. My treasures are laid out, somewhere in our world. The angels have to be our heaven's open door, and I can't feel that hope in this world. Thank you. 
Also, I think I forgot to mention about the children's Bible hour, but there is a children's Bible hour uh, for this morning. Brother Chris. Good morning. What does a house you've always wanted and a car that you love have in common? What does a house you've always wanted and a car you love have in common? One day you're not going to like them very much. We struggle with contentment, don't we? After a little while, the thing that you love will one day grow old and you're going to want something brand new. This weekend we were at a, uh, a um, camping trip. We were at a campground and uh, I was looking at our pop-up. We bought a pop-up last year and I was looking at it and I thought, man, you know it would be really nice if this pop-up was bigger or if it, right? <laughs> or if, uh, if it was nicer. Uh, if it had a kitchen on the inside, it's gotten a little old now, and I'm, my contentment with it, my excitement over it is beginning to wane. And I think that's a human characteristic because we struggle with contentment, don't we? Today we're in Hebrews chapter 13. We're finishing out this series, not today, uh, maybe uh, over the next couple of weeks we'll be finishing it out, but Hebrews 13, we've been kind of dealing with it uh, topically. And so today we're talking about the enemy of contentment. What will make you not content? What will force you into discontent? Greed. Greed will force you into discontent. And I think it's something we struggle with. I think it's obviously something that the first century church uh, struggled with because it is a human characteristic. We struggle with it. It's hard not to want more. It's hard to stay content, you have to work at it, don't you? If you don't work at it, guess what happens? You fall into greed, you fall into discontent. So, today we're going to talk a little bit about contentment as well as greed and, and maybe a little bit about how to fight these things. So, we're in Hebrews chapter 13. Look in verse 5. Hebrews 13, verse 5. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going on in those couple of verses. I just kind of want to take a second to break down the verses for you because there's some things in here that you need to recognize. There's some dots that we need to connect here in Hebrews 13 verse 5. He says, keep your life free from money and be content with what you have. But what's he say in the, the direct statements above verse 5? What are, those, what are those talking about? He's talking about sexual morality, isn't he? What, what's so interesting is throughout scripture, these two thoughts, sexual immorality and greed, are paired together quite frequently. In fact, the word for lust and the word for covet are used interchangeably. Isn't that interesting? They're used interchangeably. Uh, in fact, in Matthew 5, 28, when he says, uh, you shall not lust after a woman, the word there we know is talking about sexual desire because of its context. But in Acts um, chapter 20, verse 33, he uses that exact same word again. This is interesting, right? And we know from the context that he's talking about money. Acts chapter 20, verse 33, he says, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. He didn't covet. He didn't lust after those things. He's talking about this strong desire that we all have for things or for people. We know what he's talking about based on the context. And so you kind of got to look around. Is he talking about a person in this context? Or is he talking about a thing? If he's talking about a Thing, he's talking about covetousness. If he's talking about person, he's talking about lust. And so this idea of sexual immorality and greed are tied together throughout Scripture. So right off the bat, here in Hebrews 13.5, we're reminded of the severity of greed, aren't we? The severity of greed. Our culture, even in our culture, sexual morality is becoming less and less so but has historically been frowned upon, hasn't it? Um, and that's beginning, sadly, to, to not be the case any longer because our culture is pulling so far away from God and His values and His morals. But greed 
maybe I can couch it like this, financial stability has always been a value of the American church, hasn't it? It's always been a value of Americans. Uh, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, right? And you take care of things. You make money so you can buy the things, so you can do what you want. And it's very easy to fall into greed through that. I'm not saying that's wrong. You be financially secure, right? Because Scripture talks about um, taking care of your family. If you can't do that, you're worse than an infidel, right? So there's an aspect here that we need to think about. It's called stewardship. We steward these things. They are not yours. You use money to accomplish God's purposes here. Right? You use money to accomplish God's purposes here. So what's important to God? What are those purposes? Well, mission work is one of those purposes, isn't it? Um, the work of the church is one of those purposes, isn't it? Taking care of the poor is one of those purposes, isn't it? Taking care of your family is one of those purposes. And so we need to think through this concept. Stewardship is a biblical idea. You need to be able to take care of your family. You should be able to take care of yourself. You should have enough extra to give to those who need it, including the church for purposes uh, of evangelism, purposes of benevolence and education. So stewardship's a biblical idea. Where it kicks over is when that stops being your stewardship and it starts being yours. You see the problem? 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses 8 through 11, the passage that Jeff read for you this morning you're familiar with that passage, of course. If you want to, you can flip back over there. But in 1 Timothy 6, 8 through 11, he talks about money being the root of all evil, right? No, it's the love of money. Money is, is neutral. Morally speaking, money doesn't mean anything. It's how you think about money that means something. And so what do you think about money? Well, a great many of us are, are pretty attached to it because it's so easy to be attached to it here, isn't it? Because it, it kind of makes the world go around in, in a lot of cases. We talked about that a little bit in Bible class this morning and how money will force people to make certain decisions. At least it can push them towards certain decisions. And You have probably been in a situation where you thought... Well, if I had more money, I would do this. Or if, if, I, if I was just a little bit more financially stable, I would, I would do this. Or since I've got enough money, I'm going to do this. Money can make the world go round, right? It can, can be, it can be very useful here. And that's fine. Like we said, stewardship's a biblical concept, and so you should be using your, God's money to accomplish His purposes. The problem is you start thinking, I start thinking it's my money. You start thinking it's your money. It's not your money. It's not my money. It's God's money. He owns everything, right? And so we look at this concept biblically. I can have a lot of money and get to heaven, can't I? You remember what Jesus says about it, though? It's awfully hard. It's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle, is what he says. While on the same topic, the Apostle Paul in First, Thess Thess First Thessalonians will say that if you can't take care of your family, you're worse than what? An infidel. You're worse than an unbeliever. If you can't take care of your family. So this is a big issue, isn't it? And it's an issue that we're not very comfortable around. You start talking about money, and people would rather talk about religion or politics, wouldn't they? <laughs> people get kind of antsy when you start talking about their pocketbooks and their wallets, right? God deals with this issue. It's, this, is his, this is his question. He's going to answer it for you. So how do you think about money? Is it God's? And so you're not all that attached to it. Um, this weekend, a lady gave me some money to go get uh, some Benadryl for her son who had gotten into some poison ivy. And you know what I did? I went to the store and I got some Benadryl and I brought her back her change. I didn't just pocket it and walk away, right? Why not? This is not my money. It's her money. I was given charge of it to do a specific task. 
God has given you this money to do a specific task. And how you think about that money will decide your eternity. That's an uncomfortable thought, isn't it? How you think about your money, how you think about God's money, will decide your eternity. At least it could. So we need to think through this issue. It's a big one, right? I think the Hebrew writer ties these two two concepts together, sexual immorality and greed, because they are tied together throughout the rest of Scripture. But also to help wake us up, I am just guessing that the first century church was very much like the 21st century American church in that they lacked their money, right? Like we say, money's awfully easy to get attached to. If I gave you $3,000 right now, what would you go do with it? A lot of you got a plan, right? I've got a plan. <laughs> if you were to give me 3000 or $5,000, I know exactly what I would go do with it, right? I bet you do too. We've got to start thinking biblically about this stuff. It's a stewardship. It's not ours. A lot of us hold on to this stuff so tightly. We, it hurts to let it go, right? First century church had the same struggles. And so I think the Hebrew writer puts these two thoughts together because as a culture, they, and as a culture, us, to less extents now, but would view sexual immorality as sinful, as wrong. But we put greed in a different category. We excuse it, don't we? We let it off the hook. I'm taking care of my family. Okay, that's a biblical concept like we talked about. There's nothing wrong with that. You can be rich and get into heaven. It makes it very hard, though. That's what Jesus says. You got a problem with that? Take it up with him, not me. <laughs> but taking care of your family is a good thing, right? How you think about money is the issue here. Not how much of it you have, how you think about it. Because you can be homeless and be greedy, right? Because how much money you have is not the issue. Do you remember when you were in college or when you were really young, just starting off? Maybe you got married young like we did. How much did you have? You looked at your bank account and you saw an awful lot of zeros and there weren't any numbers in front of those zeros, right? <laughs> There's just a lot of goose eggs. You didn't have a lot when you were young, did you? Most of us didn't. You're kind of working your way up. Some of us were greedy back then. You didn't have a dime. It's how you think about money. And on the opposite side, some of us now have done pretty well. But we're not greedy. You give it away. You support missionaries and you support the church. And you support your families and you help people who need help. And those are God things, right? He loves those things. Those are important things to him. So it doesn't matter how much you have. You can be poor as dirt and be greedy. Or you can be the wealthiest guy on the planet and be not greedy. Depends on how you think about it. So today we're trying to think about money and greed. What we're going to do with it. We'll walk you through the rest of this verse real quick. And then we'll get into some, some practical applications here. So I think that's why he ties these two thoughts together. I think that's why he puts sexual morality and greed back to back like this. Because we view sexual morality as something that we frown on. And greed is something that we would smile on. It's, it's financial st- stability. They were the exact same way. So he's doing this a little bit to wake them up. Um, the next little bit here, he says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because, that word for is because. So you keep your life free of the love of money and be content with what you have because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What? Does that make sense to anybody else? Like, stop and think about that. You don't love money. Because Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. How those two thoughts tie together? Somebody make that make sense for me, right? Think about it. Underline this passage. Go home and think about it. How does this idea of keeping yourself free from the love of money and being content 
tied together with Jesus saying, I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. What do you use your money for? What do you use your money for? Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you an example of what I'm thinking here. I think he writes this to them because they were about to undergo some significant persecution. Earlier in their lives, they had dealt with some plundering of their goods. You remember this? In Hebrews chapter 12, he talks about their, their stuff being taken, right? Some of the civil authorities had come in and because they were Christians, had taken their things, right? Maybe had repossessed some houses, maybe had taken some, some uh, of their property, that's, that's what happened. And he has this little note here toward the end of that passage where he says, but you were okay with that because you know all this stuff is temporary. What's going to happen to the most cherished thing that you have? Not, not a child or a spouse, but the most, most cherished item in your house or outside your house sitting in your parking lot, or maybe it is your house. What, what's going to happen to that thing eventually? In Matthew 6, Jesus says, if it's, if it's clothing, the moths are eventually going to get to it. It's weird that we haven't solved that problem in the last 2,000 years. But eventually the moths are going to get to it, right? And, and if it's made out of metal, eventually rust is going to get to it. And these things are going to just disintegrate. And if they don't disintegrate, one day he's going to burn them up when he comes back and they're going to be gone anyhow. So why are you so attached to these things? Do they know these things? Do they, do they understand these concepts that this stuff's just going to go away one day and if it doesn't go away, he's going to come back and burn it up anyhow? They get it, just like you get it, just like I understand those things. They understand it. So why is he telling them again? Because it's so necessary as a way of reminder. You don't really miss money until you don't have it and you need it, right? You ever looked at your bank account and you had to pay a bill and the number that's in your bank account is less than the number on the bill. And you think, well, now what am I going to do? <laughs> that's the moment when you think, I need money. And at that point, Satan starts doing something in our heads. Our desires, however that functions, starts doing something in our heads. And the love of money, the need for money, ticks over and we become greedy right it's not that we don't understand these concepts it's not that they didn't understand these concepts it's that they needed constant reminders just like we do we have to think through this stuff we have to be reminded of these things I think that the church that the Hebrew writer is talking to is thinking when they undergo this persecution, some money in the bank account would be awfully handy because the way that this would have happened and the way this did happen, not too long after the Hebrew writer uh, writes this letter, Roman soldiers would come to your house and they wouldn't knock. They would bust open your door like a SWAT team coming in to get a fugitive and they would arrest these Christians what if a Christian had, say, $1,000? He could just plop into the Roman's hand, the Roman guard's hand. And you say, you let my wife and my children go. And you could take me or just let us all go and here's another 1000 Might that happen? I think it's likely. I think it's possible. I think money certainly would have come in handy for them had they endured the persecution that they know is coming, that the Hebrew writer says is coming. Money's going to come in handy for them. And so what do they do? They start stockpiling it. And he says, it's useless. Just a few months ago, just a few years ago maybe, when these guys came and they took your stuff, you said, that's fine because this stuff's temporary anyhow. It's going to be burned up or rusted away or moths are going to get it. I don't care. Because my hope is set on something that is eternal, right? He's talking about mindset. It's not how much money you have. It's how you think about it, right? And how generous you are with it. You could be the richest guy in the world and still be just as faithful as Daniel or Joseph 
or any other biblical heroes that we're aware of. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It matters how you think about it. Do you love it or do you love God? These people, I think he thinks, the writer, the Hebrew writer thinks that they are very likely about to fall into this trap. It's a trap. Satan uses money, just like God can use money. God has purposes for money, right? His purposes for money are, are to make you holy. It's a purifying thing. What are you going to do with it? And what you do with it says something about your faith, right? Satan uses the exact same logic. How you think about money and what you do with it says something about your faith, right? I think they're struggling. I think we're struggling just as, excuse me, just as an American church because we have been incredibly blessed, right? If you live in America, you make around $40,000 a year. You live off somewhere around $54 a day. About $54 a day if you make $40,000, right? You know how much most of the rest of the world lives off of? Most of the rest of the world lives off $3 a day or under. Most of the world lives off $2 a day or under. We're incredibly blessed. The trade-off here is we're also incredibly tempted, right? What we've done by necessity is we have allowed we have allowed this temptation very close to us, haven't we? How close is your purse or your wallet right now? Right? Physically very close, mentally very close too, isn't it? We've allowed it very close to us. We have to be so super careful. Again, it's not how much money you have. Your bank account may be full of ones and zeros and you may be doing really well. And you may be just as generous and godly as Joseph who sold his property to help support the church. Here's a wealthy guy from what we are aware of who was righteous and generous and good. Or you may be struggling financially and you may be just as good as some of the folks in Scripture that we know about that didn't have any money. Like the woman uh, who, who sweeps her floor looking for the coin. In the parable of Jesus told. It's not how much money you have. It's how you think about it. So how do you think about it? Well, these people were relying on their money to get them out of trouble. Now, does that sound familiar? Do you know your Old Testament that well? The Old Testament is really important, right? For a multiplicity of reasons. But one of the reasons is we get this long view of God. We have what? Exodus happened in 1440 B.C. all the way up until 400. We have about a thousand years of history with God in the Old Testament. If you're not reading it, it's foolishness, right? Go back through and read it. You get a view of God unlike anything else that you find in the New Testament because you only got 60, 70 years of his interaction with people. In the Old Testament, you have a thousand years of his interaction with people. Old Testament is important. Don't neglect it. All that to say, when in the Old Testament people relied on something other than God, how did that turn out? Not great. Almost every time, every time, they suffered because of it. Usually you'll see it like this. Um, Israel's here, and there's a foreign power over here, and this foreign power is coming in to take over Israel. And so what does Israel do? They cry out to God for salvation. He says, no. Most of the time what they're going to do is they're going to go to this power over here, and they're going to say, this power is coming to get us, help us overtake them. Who are they relying on? These guys. And what do they do? They send them money to come help them. They're relying on their money. The Hebrew writer says something very similar here. Check it out again. Keep your life free from the money, free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. Who's my helper? The Lord. What's not my helper? Money. 
I will not fear what can man do to me. Who's your helper? The Lord is your helper. Who do you rely on? I rely on Him. You see, it's not how much money you have. It's how you think about it. A lot of these guys relied on their money. They loved it. They cherished it because it could get them out of trouble. And that's just, listen to this, just not true. You know what you want when you have a lot of money? You know what you want when you have a little bit of money? More money. (laughs) There's never an end to it, is there? You always want more. I'm the exact same way. It's built inside of us, right? We always want more. We're not content. It's something we have to think through. It's something we have to work on. The Hebrew writer says, the Holy Spirit, more importantly, says, you're relying on money. What you need to be relying on is the Lord because He is closer to you than your money right now. And He's the only one who can help you. Your money's just a piece of paper. It's not going to help you. There's no spirit living in that thing. It's like the ancient Jews and the ancient, uh, ancient peoples in Canaan and those guys going over to a tree, chopping it down, carving it up, and then praying to it. Isaiah would ridicule them. God would ridicule them. What do you think you're doing? There's, there's no power in that. We've done the exact same thing, but we didn't do it with trees. I guess we did. Paper comes from trees. So we're worshiping a tree. <laughs> and we would look back at those guys and think, how ludicrous. You're so silly. You chopped down a tree, you carved it up, and then you started worshiping in, it, worshiping in it. But you didn't need the whole thing to do your tree, so the other half of the tree you made into firewood, and now you go worship this thing. Stupidity, right? Do the exact same thing. Ours is with money instead of some pole. It's interesting. You can have an awful lot of money and not be greedy, or you can have very little money and still be, and still be greedy. The point is how you think about it. Are you relying on your money or are you relying on the Lord? Because the Lord's the only one who's capable of helping you. These guys needed that reminder. They knew that, just like you know that. This, this thought had not escaped their, their, their minds, that the Lord is their helper. Most likely these are Jewish readers. They were well-versed in the Old Testament. And that's one of the concepts that keeps coming up in the Old Testament is God is your helper. You stick with him and he will stick with you, right? They understood that. They just needed a reminder because money is so close to us. And it so easily distracts us, doesn't it? You ever had a plan for money? Say, like, you get your tax refund back, and you got a plan for it. You're going to pay off debt, or you're going to do something with it. And then what happens if it takes too long to come back? Plan changes, doesn't it? Something happens. The car breaks, or whatever happens. And the plan changes, and you don't do what you thought you were going to do with that money, even though you had a plan for it. Money's sneaky. Satan uses money to, to trick us. It's how you think about it, not, much, not how much of it you have. Who are you relying on? What are you relying on? Is it God or is it money? Let me take you to a couple of verses. Proverbs chapter 30. we got just a couple of minutes left, but I think you need to see these verses. Proverbs 30, uh, 8 and 9 are going to mess you up. <laughs> and you are welcome. Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. These verses have stuck with me for years and you just kind of can't get them out of your head, especially when you start thinking through money like this. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. The, the writer of Proverbs says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Man, we were for that, right? That opening line really catches us. I don't want to be anywhere near uh, falsehood or lying. There's so much deceit around. I don't, want to be, I don't want to have any part of that. Keep that stuff far from me. But keep reading. Give me neither poverty We don't want poverty, do we? We're like, yes, Proverbs writer, yes, Holy Spirit. Don't give me poverty. And then you keep on reading, he says, nor riches. So don't give me poverty, nor riches. And now you think, hmm, I don't love that. (laughs) I don't love not being financially stable. I don't love not having some money in the bank account because I rely on it to fix my problems. So he says, 
Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Right? Lest I be full and deny you. So he says, if I've got a lot of money, I've got plenty of food because I have lots of money. Because I have plenty of money, I have lots of food. Then I might deny you. You ever been in that, that scenario where you rely on God? But then you have a windfall. And what happens? I start relying on my money. Isn't that funny? You see how sneaky it is? It took my reliance on God and twisted it. Just as soon as that money hit my bank account, now I'm relying on that thing. It's weird, right? It's very odd how sneaky money can be. So he says, I don't want to be full and deny you because... You are more important than anything else going on in my life. You are more important than my life. And my adherence to you, Lord, is more important than me continuing breathing. So I'm not going to let money get in my way, for sure. I'm for sure not going to let a lot of money get in my way. So he says, I don't, I don't want money. Keep that stuff far from me. Because I don't want to be um, full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Like I've fallen out of relationship with him. Who is Yahweh? The Lord there is in all caps. So it's this covenantal name. When you see his covenantal name, it's the relationship. And the relationship aspect is being uh, emphasized. Who is my master? Who is, who is Yahweh? But he says also there's danger on the other side. There's danger on having too much money, but there's also danger about having too, too little money. Listen to him in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. He says, Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. So he says, I don't, I, don't, I don't want a lot of money because that might lead me into forgetting who I need to rely on. He says, I don't want too little money because then I might be in such desperate need that I, that I steal and that brings shame on Yahweh's name. So what's he saying? Well, just give me the food for today and I'll be content. There's our word content again, isn't it? Mm, contentment. It's difficult, right? Let me take you over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. You're going to get to meet a guy today who was greedy and didn't seem to know it. Can we fall under those same, under that same uh, umbrella? Yeah. You can be greedy and not know it. Like we say, it's very, very sneaky until it's brought to your attention. You might not know it. Listen to this parable. Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, him is, of course, Jesus. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So here's a guy who's greedy. He's trying to make Jesus the lawyer to say, give him this, give him this. And Jesus is the, the um, executor of the will. And Jesus isn't having it. He's, more, he's worried about different stuff. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to him, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, the lust for money or the lust for things. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Isn't that a great line? Jesus had a way of saying some stuff, right? Uh, obviously, he's God, so he has a way of saying things. But this line, your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. It's really kind of fantastic. Did you, were you aware of that? That your life is more than your bank account. It's more than the stuff that you own. Later, Paul would say what your life actually is. Do you know? Your life is Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with the things that you have. Your life is in Christ. Earlier... Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus is being tempted, Satan's going to come to him. He's going to say, make these stones into bread. Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days. And so this is a real temptation. Uh, and so make these stones into bread. 
Do you remember what Jesus says? He always quotes scripture back to Satan, which is a good ploy to defeat sin when we're tempted. He says, man shall not, you remember how it goes? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of God. Your life is more than your possessions. Don't discount your life so little as to define it by what you have. You define your life by who you are. More specifically, whose you are. You are in Christ. Christ is your life. Finish the parable though, verse 16. Luke 12, verse 16, he says, He told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, you have prepared, Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not, listen to this, is not rich toward God. Was him having money a bad thing? No. It's how you think about it. It's what you love. It's what you rely on. It's your, what you prioritize. That's this guy's problem. He had a lot of money, nothing wrong with that. What was the problem? He prioritized his money over his faith. And so when he died unexpectedly, he didn't have time to get his spiritual affairs in order. Although he had his financial affairs well in order. He didn't have time to get his spiritual life in order. And what happened? Jesus said, you're an idiot. Fool. You've prioritized the wrong things. You prioritize money over what's really important, your spiritual life. Tonight we're talking about, we're starting a series over the spiritual disciplines. They are how you get from A to B. They're how you grow up inside of Christ. They're how you mature inside of Christ. And they are how you fight these things like this. Come back tonight. We'll start that series on the spiritual disciplines. I think they'll be incredibly helpful for you. They've been for me. And I think they'll, they're going to continue to grow us up inside of Christ as we work them. Maybe you're like this guy, though, and you've been prioritizing the wrong things. And today, today you're ready to set the record straight. I'm ready to prioritize Christ because he is everything. He's the answer to my problems. And money doesn't have anything to do with the answer to my problems. He is the answer to those problems. Maybe that's your situation this morning and you're ready to be baptized into Christ, be added to the congregation here and be uh, washed of your sins to have those things no longer on your record, to be absolved of those sins. We want to aid you in any way we can this morning. Maybe you've already made that decision and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be righteous, to prioritize correctly, to do what's right. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. There's a fountain break just for you and me that I stand to his
Good morning. We have a few announcements to go with before we're dismissed. A uh, reminder that today is a deacon's meeting. Um, what time does that start, Jerry? Five. Five o'clock deacon's meeting. Um, yesterday we had the postal food drive. Uh, we had more volunteers help this year than we've ever had. Um, the youngest was Mason at 17, and the oldest was Jim Gilfillan at 25. So <laughs> thank everybody that came out and helped. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, just a reminder, VBS is June 5th through the 9th, so keep that on your radar. And Fort Hill Buzzard Week is July 3rd through the 9th. Uh, on our prayer list, remember Jennifer Baker and Darren Baker, uh, Jim Haney, Add Vicki Bowen to your prayer list. And Caroline Dovitti has an uh, appointment Tuesday with a specialist in Miami. Is there any other announcements that need to be made? If not, we will have a closing song and a closing word of prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 244. We'll sing the first and third verse, and then Brother Kevin Harvey will have a prayer. <clears throat> Time is filled with swift transition. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, as we come to you once again today, Father, we're truly thankful that we're blessed with this country, Father, in which we live in and all the great things that we have, Father. We pray for all those, Father, that are over in Ukraine, that you'll continue to be with that country and all the awful things that are going on, Father. If it be thy will, that you would help the war come to an end. Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with the church here in Rome and all the good things that go on. Pray that you'll continue to be with the deacons and elders and the good work that they do and help us to bless them in any way that we can. We thank you for all of our teachers, Father, that teach us, teach our young children, Father, and all of their work, hard work that they put into it, Father. Help them, let them know that their work is not in vain. Pray that you'll continue to be with us, uh, preschool, Father, and all the good work that goes on there. 
Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with our vacation Bible school. We pray it will be a success, Father, and many souls will be saved for you. Father, we pray for all those that are going on the trip, that you'll continue to be with them, and hope, Father, hopefully everything will be a success there too, Father. Father, we pray that you'll continue to be with all those that are on the sick list. You know each and every one of them. You know their problems, Father, whether it be cancer, heart problems, or whatever health issues that hinder us in this life, Father, that you'll continue to be with them. Pray especially for Jerry and Nora's granddaughter, Father, that you'll be with her, and if it be thy will, that you could help them in that situation, Father. Most of all, Father, we pray you will be with us each and every day. Help us to be better people. Help us to set the standard and reach out to people among us, Father, and help us to be a light to you, Father, and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name I pray, amen.